Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Journey to Organization, Make Your Balagan Be Gone. I'm your host, Rebecca Saltzman, and it's so nice to talk to you today. I know that I'm a little bit late on uh, getting this done, so you'll have to excuse me because like I told you last week, I'm on vacation with my family. Um, I'm going to try to record right after this again, God willing, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm trying to carve out a lot of special time because I know how much everybody anticipates um, hearing my lectures. So if you left me a voicemail recently and I don't answer it today, uh, don't worry. I'm getting to it as fast as I can. <laughs> okay, so as promised, today I want to sort of talk about kitchen organization because I've been getting a lot of calls about that. Um, I wrote out a little bit what I want to say, so I'm going to kind of read what I wrote. I'm going to um, just sort of talk off the cuff, so if it seems a little disjointed, I hope not. <laughs> You'll have to forgive me. So here goes. The first question I've been getting a lot of is bottom cabinets versus shelves. How do you organize? Uh, what, what, are, what are better? Um, how do you organize shelves in a pantry? Um, and, and all those kind of questions. So I just, I want to say like, I, I thought that I was going to hate having drawers on the bottom of my kitchen. And when we moved to Israel, that's what we got in our um, kitchen that had just been renovated. And I have to tell you, I actually love having um, drawers on the bottom of my, of, you know, on the bottom part of my counter. Um, they're, they're really easy. The, the problem with them is that you kind of have to make sure that they're not too heavy. If they're too heavy, like if you have real heavy pots and pans, it will bust the drawer. It, you can't put on like a La Crusade, uh, uh, La Crusade um, like Dutch oven on it. It's too, it's too heavy. It's cast iron and it's just, it's too much pressure for the drawer. If, well, if it's only one, it's okay. But if it's more than one, it's, it, it can become a problem. Um, and like, you don't, you don't want it to stress out the, to the, to the, um, drawers. But the truth is, is that a set of dishes, um, silverware, uh, those are okay. I actually do keep my, some of my pots on the bottom drawer of one of them. That seems to be okay. Um, I actually keep my milchik pots there. I hardly ever make milchik. Um, I mostly make everything parved during the week, but I make it in Fleischig pots because that's what my dishwasher is. Although it's totally common practice in Israel to use your dishwasher for both things. I personally don't use that. Um, and we hardly eat any dairy and anymore because everybody's so sensitive to it in my family. And we try to save meat only for Shabbat um, just because we're trying to reduce our meat. So we eat. But we do eat like everything in, in meat, uh, kalim and utensils, and um, we really, it's easy for us because of the dishwasher. So um, I, I'm digressing. I just want to make sure that if you do have drawers on the bottom, you're not putting things in that are too heavy. But the truth is, is that it's so easy for my kids to get into and like just take what they need, take cereal bowl, take spoon, take fork, whatever they need. It just, it's, it really is a lot easier. Um, another, another really important trick to organization is like I always say, like items go together. So make sure that you have like a side for meat, a side for dairy, a side for parv. It's all together. It doesn't have to be a whole side, but like one section of your kitchen should be dedicated to those things. Um, it not only helps with organization, it also helps with kashrut. Uh, it, it's really, it's really imperative. Um, I find that it's really easy for me most of the time like if I have somebody else in my kitchen I can just say anything red 
is Fleischig. Anything blue is Milchik. Anything yellow or green is Parv. Uh, and, and it's pretty obvious to them. And I always say the side with the oven is always Fleischig. From the dishwasher till the end, that's all, all Fleischig. And from the dishwasher to the fridge, that's all Milchik. Um, I really don't have a lot of things that are Parv. Um, I just have a few knives, a cutting board, and like um, my my small appliances are par of, and I just sort of either use glass with with them, or after I make them, then that's when I make fleischig or milchig from them. So like for example, if I'm making like um, a lot of times I make vegan macaroni and cheese, and it's technically par of, but since I don't have a lot of par of kalim. Um, I have one parv pot and that's it. Um, so like I'll boil up the the potato and the the carrot and the onion together in one pot, and then I'll pour that into my Vitamix, which is which is parv, and I'll blend that all together. But I'll bake my pasta or I'll boil my pasta in a fleischig pot and I'll mix it all together in a fleischig pot. So um, so that I'm not like you know so that I don't need two Vitamixes. I mean, those things are really expensive. <laughs> so I just, I try to keep everything separate. Um, it's really, actually with the Vitamix, the truth is, is that the base is completely, completely separate from the carafe. There's no anything touching. So I could probably just get a separate carafe and a separate lid, um, which is much cheaper than buying a, a whole new base um, and have that Fleischig. I actually never thought about that, but I just, I don't really want to store it and I don't make Fleischigs enough for it to be um, worthwhile. So I just, I try to keep everything part of as much as I can, but the zones in the kitchen definitely um, help me um, keep things more organized and are less compromising to my kashrut. So. Um, I actually store all of my things in glass jars. I put all my bulk items in them and also anything open. Um, for example, salt in Israel comes in a paper bag. I don't want to put it in a plastic bag afterwards, so I just portion it out into glass jars. I save the jars from the jelly that we use and also from the coconut oil that we use, but you can save any kind of jar you like in any shape you like. Um, I ask my friends for like certain types of jars if I know that they also use a product and they save it for me and sometimes we do swaps for jars. Um, I schlep them to the mikvah <laughs> and uh, you know, I told them, I take the labels off and I told them. Um, but the thing is, is because I buy all of or as much food as I can in the bulk um, and even if, it if I do buy something that came in plastic. It's usually not in a resealable container or bag. In Israel especially, they hardly have anything like that. Um, it comes in a plastic that's open. And so instead of portioning it out into a plastic bag, I put it into a, a glass jar. And so this has like a, a couple of advantages. First of all, it looks super, super nice in my cabinet that all my jars are matching. Um, it also, um, I'm, I'm not using plastic, which is great. I'm using something that's reusable. I actually don't buy glass jars. I mean, a lot of people have been asking me, what do I think? Should I buy this set of jars, that set of jars? I don't buy them. You're already paying for them when you purchase jelly or coconut oil or whatever you're buying. I'm sure there are things that you buy that come in jars. So I think that when you 
look at what you're buying and you figure out how it can do double duty, sometimes it is worth slightly more, I think, in my opinion, to pay a little bit extra for a jar that you could reuse because then you don't have to buy it. So for example, the jelly that I like in Israel I think costs 15 shekels. Um, there are cheaper jellies that we don't actually like the taste as much that cost 10 shekels or 12 shekels. Um, we don't like them as much. So for me, it's worth the extra five shekels. I get a jar. Um, I also use those jars that the jelly come in because they have a wide mouth. We use them as drinking glasses. We use them to, to take um, fruit and vegetables when we go on trips. We use them when we are, you know, packing lunches. We use them for spices. We use them for leftovers. They're great. And it's really like leftover salads. It's, it's, they're really handy and helpful. And I, I highly recommend, um, uh, saving them. Um, how many you save also depends on the space that you have. So I have, I do have clients who do save their jars and they have way, way, way too many jars. And that's a problem too. But pick one or two styles that you really like um, that come in handy for a variety of different things. I have the jelly ones are kind of small and the coconut oil ones are pretty large. So I just pick those two kinds and everything else I send to the recycling bin. Um, Dossie says she used to be uh, shopping as part of a pa she used to use shopping as a pastime, but now that she thinks uh, she thinks before she buys, and um, she's saving a lot of money. And um, Shalamis said, "Hang on, what did Shalamis say?" Shalamis said she made the linen spray that I spoke about a few weeks ago, and she's doing less laundry because of it, and she also. Um, wants to know why she should use storage containers since so many things come in containers. And what do I think of the OXO containers? So actually, this is what we just talked about. And um, it's like I said, why should you pay for containers when you're already paying for the containers? Why should you pay extra for containers? If there's something that you really like, call it kavod, you know, use, by all means, use what you like. <laughs> like, it's okay, you don't have to, um, do what I'm saying. If you think the OXO ones are really nice, then then buy them. But don't look at this as like, how can I buy more? Sure, it will take you like a couple of weeks or months, maybe even, to start to collect like the, all the jars you want. In the meantime, I'm sure you have things that you could use plastic containers. I've basically been able to eliminate a lot of my plastic containers by starting to save the jar. So every time I save a jar, I try to get rid of a plastic container. Um, now I'm at much fewer plastic containers. The truth is the plastic containers come in handy um, when I'm doing frozen things like soup, which I do freeze a lot because uh, it's really, really hard to freeze in glass. I haven't found a good way to do that. But, um, you know, it's not all about going out to buy, buy, buy. Buying isn't going to keep you more organized. <laughs> it's going to spend your money. It's going to waste a lot of money. Use what you have. Be creative. Be inventive. Look around your kitchen. See what's already there. See what you can um, get more from. It's just, it's, uh, it's, it's better. <laughs> um, but I do love that um, Dossie is shopping less. That's really, that's really awesome. Um, Schiffer from Lakewood um, had a few thoughts for me. And one of them was that nursing is zero waste. Totally. Nursing is zero waste. Um, it's good for 
a lot of purposes. And so I really like that you pointed it out. If you guys want to talk more about nursing, leave me some voicemails and we can talk about why it's zero waste, what's good about it. Um, but I have a feeling that most ladies in the group can make the connection or who are listening can make the connection just to why it's good and why it's zero waste. But I'm happy to talk more about it. Although today, since I'm like trying to focus on the kitchen is not really, um, uh, it all comes, it all comes back. So she, she, um, she also asked me to elaborate on my Shabbos menu planning how I do it, how I get it all in the oven. So I am all for, uh, keep it simple. I don't have a lot of time in my week, as I'm sure many of you don't have a lot of time. I used to be super fancy before I had kids. My husband always says to me, could you make that again? Like when we, before we had kids, <laughs> I'm like, uh, maybe. Um, so yeah, I, and I try to, um, rotate in new things or I, I do swap things based on the season um, because in Israel the food is very very seasonal and I think sometimes especially in America uh, we forget that foods actually have seasons um, so basically what I, I make every week is chicken mayonnaise eggplant sweet potatoes chicken soup peas steak salad um, maybe like one or two different ones depends on on what I can find and how many guests we're having and I usually make rice um, some weeks I make chillins some weeks I make like a stew it, it, again it just depends on how many guests we're having um, so my husband actually bakes on Thursday night he loves to and I don't so it really works for us he's a great great baker he that's his way of being creative during the week um, I usually make my chicken soup Thursday night sometimes I also make gazpacho in the summertime um, it's really refreshing um, and then on Thursday night we roast eggplant so that we can make baba ganoush. Um, Friday morning I usually pop my chickens in the oven and at the same time I put the sweet potatoes in and then I make mayonnaise which is really really easy and it goes with a lot of the salads or recipes I make um, and I use um, the leftover egg whites to make meringues at the end um, and those are super super easy they just take a few ingredients and you turn the you get the oven hot and then you turn them off and just let them sit there for a few hours in the summertime in Israel I don't make meringues I usually just make like an egg white omelet for the kids to eat while we're waiting because um, it's too humid to make meringues meringues need like low humidity and they'll never turn out when I make them in the summertime so that's that's what I do with the egg whites um, while the food's in the oven, I, I use the food processor and I, I make the baba ganoush after I've, after I've made the mayonnaise. Um, I also use it to chop vegetables, like if I'm making a coleslaw or a cucumber salad. Um, some weeks I make vegetable chopped liver. Um, I make it with lentils, so I cook the lentils and then I use the food processor to cut the lentils and the onions and the um, uh, egg and the walnuts all together. Um, I also went, and then, and like I said, if I'm making like a cabbage salad, I use the food processor for the cabbage salad. And then um, when the chicken comes out, I, I bake the rice, and then I do the dishes, <laughs> and then I fry the steak and the peas. And that's like pretty much all of my dinner. Um, it's really not a ton of food, but it's enough for, I mean, I just scale up the quantity depending on how many people we're having. 
Um, my kids really love steak. I find that the minute steaks take me just a few minutes to make. They're really filling. It gives my kids like enough time of the meat that they're happy. They're really not that expensive. Um, they're really hard to mess up. You just fry them in a frying pan. You can put them on the grill if you're grilling on a Friday afternoon. That's also a great way to, to do things. Um, all right. So Panina called me and she is struggling with hoarding clothing. So this is a little bit off of the kitchen, but I just wanted to, um, I just wanted to, to touch on the rest. I think the rest is not going to be about the kitchen. But if anybody has any more questions about the kitchen, then by all means, leave me a voicemail. <laughs> so Panina's struggling with hoarding clothing. And she does clothing swaps, but she just can't seem to declutter. And her, her husband wants to just wants her to just chuck everything out, the whole house, and, and you know, start again. <laughs> Panina, what I'll say to you is this. Go slow. The road to a clear mind is through a clear and clutter-free space. So start by sorting into categories your clothes. So summer tops go with summer tops, winter tops with winter tops, and then sort by color and see how much you have. And in the sorting process, you'll be able to see how much you have and you'll start to slowly feel like even while you're sorting, you'll be able to get rid of a few pieces. But after you sort everything, turn all your hangwords backwards and give yourself a deadline, like for example, Hanukkah or maybe even Purim. Whatever you didn't use by then, it should go out. And you should, you should give your, t your mind time to prepare for the purge that you're gonna do. It's really, really, really challenging and hard to purge. And it's, it's really, it's not, it's, it's a challenge. So if your husband wants you to pare down and you wanna pare down also, these are a good, a good way to start. So again, I want you to, to start sorting your clothes into categories because like I said, it's the exact same premise in the kitchen. Like items go together. Summer set with clothes with summer clothes, winter clothes with winter clothes. Make a number, also one thing I didn't say was make a number for what you find acceptable. Go through your week, see how many times you're really changing your clothes. I personally have about 10 tops, that's it. <laughs> I have a few that are like for different types of seasons, like some that I don't wear in the summer. Um, but like, pick a number, five winter tops, five summer tops, five sweaters, whatever the number is, 10, if it's 20 even. Figure out how much you have now and then try to decrease it by half, but at least try to decrease it by 25%. That will give you a good start. Um, after you sort it into categories, turn the, turn the hangers around and see what you're actually using. You can give yourself several deadlines. So for example, all of your summer clothes should have been used. I don't know where you live, Panina, but all of your summer clothes in Israel, this might not be the case, but in other countries it, it should work. Um, all of your summer clothes should have been used by September by, by you know, Sukkot. If, if you haven't used something by Sukkot, I think it's safe to say that you're not probably going to wear it again and you can get rid of it. If the psychological aspect of, of removing your clothes is holding you back, then I just want you to remember that Hashem is always giving us what we need. We don't need to worry that like we're not gonna have something when we need it. If you're not wearing it, there's a reason why you're not wearing it. Either it doesn't look good on you, or it's not comfortable, or it doesn't fit quite right, or it doesn't feel right, or maybe it's too short, or maybe it's too long, or maybe you need to get it tailored. If it's something like tailoring where you're willing to get it fixed, 
please fix it. And that's like a really easy solution. If you think fixing it will make you wear it, then do that. Put it, get yourself to the tailor and get it fixed. If that's not the problem, or maybe it has a small hole in it and you just, you love it and it's sentimental and you can't get rid of it. If it's sentimental, it doesn't belong in your closet for day, daily looking at. That's valuable real estate and you don't want it to be in your closet. Make a box of sentimental clothing and tuck it away. And then you can look at it every so often. But the key is to keep the valuable real estate clear and open and fluid so that you can find what you need. Um, if you, like I said, if you really haven't worn it by, by let's, if it's summer clothes by the end of Sukkot, you can safely say you're not going to wear it. For winter clothes, if you haven't worn it by Purim, you're pretty much good to go on chucking it. But the hangers turn the other way will actually really help you discern what you've actually worn. Now, if you take it out and try it on and decide not to wear it, be honest and put it back on the turnaround hanger, okay? Um, give yourself the time. I think you can say to your husband, you know, listen, I, I want to do this. I need to do this. I just need time. So I'm giving myself this time by Rosh Hashanah, by Sukkot, by, by Purim, whatever it is, to, to get it done. These are the steps that I've taken to get it done. Please remind me to do it again um, at those times. And I think that also asking your husband if he's willing or a friend to hold you accountable is really, really important. It could be that maybe you could do this project with a friend and that will keep you more accountable. Okay, so Chava called me and told me her laundry room smells. It's near her front door um, and that the hamper smells and that it's smelling up the whole hallway. Um, here's something that I have my kids do is I have my kids put clothing directly into the washer and when it's full, I uh, just run it. <laughs> um, if you have a hamper there, sprinkle baking soda in periodically. E with the, even with the clothes in it, it won't harm the clothes. It will actually make them smell fresher when you wash them. Make sure your hamper has a lid on it so that you can close it up. Um, and you can also try the linen spray that Shalom has had success with that I mentioned before just to keep the room um, fresher. She also said she needs a shelf in her laundry room, but she isn't handy. So... I'm afraid if you do need a shelf, Chava, you will need to hire someone to put it in. You, you want to do it right. Ladies, here is one of my like life philosophies. It is worth money to pay to have something done right, especially when you own your house. Don't cut corners. Pay for the premium service and work because it will last you longer, it will be better, and it will just give you more peace of mind. Don't be afraid to pay for good service. It's worth it in the end. You'll be happier in the end. Um, so I do suggest you hire someone to hang a shelf. I really love the lac shelves at Ikea. They're hanging, they're um, floating shelves. So they have like a invisible hardware and they really look really nice and sleek and they're easy to clean because they have like um a laminate on them and I, I really do recommend those. Um, uh, there was one lady who didn't say her name. I love that she called me to say that she didn't uh, necessarily believe in, in the zero waste but she does acknowledge that it saves her time and money and, and that it didn't even dawn on her 
to care about waste and now she cares. So that's like really, really great. Ladies, caring about your waste is good because it will save you time. Ultimately, it will save you money once you have these protocols in place. And it's really just um, being responsible for the beauty that Hashem gave me, uh, gave us, all of us. I'll tell you right now, um, I'm in the West Coast with my family and yesterday we went to see the Grand Canyon. And it's so amazing to me to see this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place that Hashem created. I mean, it's millions of years old and it's so fantastically beautiful and gorgeous. And um, it was preserved and Hashem preserved it for us to look at. And it was just such an, like, an amazing um, realization. And I've actually been to the Grand Canyon before. I went when I was 10. And I took my kids this time. And there are approximately 10 between the three of them. <laughs> and the thing is, is that what... I'm not sure if they realized how beautiful it was, but um, or it is. But I think what they did see was... Hashem, Hashem did this, Hashem created it. And that's like such an amazing feeling. And so I just want to sort of backtrack for a minute and talk about the ladies who were talking about um, why should we care? And there's so much room in the United States, especially. Um, in the United States, we have a lot of protected areas that are protected for wildlife and, excuse me, um, just protected mostly for the wildlife but also so that we can enjoy the green area and it's not most of um that area the grand canyon is not even accessible like it there are no roads there's there's nothing there and um there's loads of animals there and wildlife and i think that um if we really look back at like where what our forefathers were doing in in their lives I mean, they were all stewards of the earth. They were shepherds. They were farmers. Um, they were taking care of the earth and were very, very, very far removed from from the earth, from where the earth, where our food comes from, from the impact that we make on the earth. And I think that it's true. One little person maybe can't make a lot of difference, but if we can inspire other people to make a difference, you know, if one person can affect five people and each one of those five people can, you know, influence five more people, we can make a big difference about how um, our earth is sustained. And it's a very big contrast because now I'm actually um, in Las Vegas and wow, just the waste and the excess and the the so much of everything is very, very evident and obvious. And I think that if you look around, especially when you're in a place, I, I just, it's amazing the, the contrast between the two. And I, I'm amazed. And I was actually thinking when I was... Um, flying over Arizona yesterday I was actually thinking like wow this is so beautiful and I watched um, even though the Hoover Dam is man-made um, and and Lake Mead is man-made it's absolutely magnificent and so 
it's true. Hashem gives us the tools to to do amazing, amazing things. Lake Mead is so the Hoover Dam is so amazing. It it powers most of California, Nevada, and Arizona. It, it's so amazing. The pressure from the water makes um, electricity, and that's fabulous. So on the one hand, you see Lake Mead, which is like completely. Um, man-made and then you see next to it the Grand Canyon because the Colorado River is what where the Hoover Dam it the end of the Colorado River is where the Hoover Dam is and that filtered and that's the dam that has created Lake Mead and the Colorado River is what formed the Grand Canyon and you see the end of the Colorado River filtering into like the dam at the Hoover Dam and it's just amazing the contrast and how it's like such a good example of how man works with what God gave us rather than against what God gave us. And it's fabulously beautiful. It's so stunning. And the two of them next to each other are just are so remarkable. And like, I just, I think that when we can remember that Hashem gives us all of these things and we are responsible for taking care of just the same way, like, we're responsible for taking care of the Torah. We're responsible for taking care of, of the earth as well. And our little portion may not be the drop in the ocean that makes a difference, but it will make a difference to how we live. It improves our lifestyle just from, from what ladies have said, how they're spending less, how they're more aware, how they're wasting less, how they're happier, how they're doing better. It will really help us. So please, ladies, consider your environment. Consider what you're purchasing, what you're buying. Um, um, okay, so let me switch back to organizing. Devori from Canada um, has a hard time organizing because she's a perfectionist. This is something that I often say. Perfection is the enemy of done. Please, Devori, don't worry if it's perfect. Save your time and and just it's better to be done with a task. So if you're procrastinating because you know you can't get something done perfectly, don't. Set lower your standards a little bit. Be okay with the fact that something is finished. Your laundry doesn't have to be perfectly done. If it's washed and clean and sitting in the basket, don't worry if it's folded. It's okay. It's finished. Your kids can always go get your clothes from there. Now, this is when having less will be better because you'll have less to fold if your kids are just picking it out from the laundry basket because they actually need the clothes. <laughs> so, so don't worry. If it's not perfect, it just needs to get done. This will help you with your organizing. Please call and ask me another question because I'm not sure exactly how I can get you to be more organized because I'm not exactly sure what the problem is outside of the perfectionism. But please remember that it doesn't have to be perfect. You're not Hashem. It can be, it can be, you know, just okay. And nobody's going to care. You don't have to have the most fancy birthday cake. You just need to show up with a cake and some candles on it. That's it. As long as it tastes good, who cares what it looks like? It doesn't matter. Lower your standards a little bit. I promise this will help. Um, Handy from Brooklyn said she's doing 2017 and 2017. Yay. Um, and she was visiting a friend upstate who composts. And she was really shocked to see the beautiful, rich soil that comes from the compost. And she wants to know, do animals eat it? So here's the thing. 
Your compost bin should ideally be a closed bin with aerating holes in it and something that you can turn. Um, animals don't eat it. If you don't put in um, like cooked food products, they're not really drawn to the like peels and um, not the larger animals anyways. Um, so they're really, it's, I, I never really have animals outside from like worms and bugs in my, which you're supposed to have and you need for the compost to break down. Um, but basically, this is why you have municipal um, composting um, so that you can put in, um, you can put in all those types of things that come from like the food that you're actually cooked and eating. Um, and I just want to comment because, um, I got another phone call about composting where the ladies said to me that they have, there are four ladies, um, and, um, they all like share their, their small bin and, you know, after one meal, the bin is basically full. So for this, I say, um, Call the city and ask them for another bin. <laughs> They'll be happy to give you another another bin if it's not enough. The truth is, is that if you if you compost the food that you eat, um, like cooked food, things that have oil and fish and meat and that kind of thing in them, um, you're actually going to need to take out your trash less because your trash won't stink because everything that's actually in your trash will be dry. So I bet you if you call the city and ask them for a larger bin, they'll be happy to, or a new, a second or a third or fourth bin, they'll be happy to bring it for you. Um, to me, a lot of municipalities have made a mistake with compost in that they're not encouraging compost to be the main source of trash removal. So there are lots of... Um, groups that say like your your uh trash bin should actually be smaller than your compost and your recycling bins because you should be producing less trash once you're increasing your recycling and your compost so here's the deal and i'm going to explain it one more time in your municipal bins can go any food scraps that are um are cooked so meat fish bones chicken bones uh, a salad that didn't get finished, that stuff can all go into municipal compost. In your home compost, because it's not getting aerated as much, it's not getting turned as much, it's, it's not being crushed at the same rate as a municipal composter is, you cannot put any cooked food into um, your compost. So my chicken bones, my meat bones, any food that didn't get eaten, meat fat or something like that, that does go into my trash. Um, that is what makes your trash smell. So, um, again, if you're composting, you'll have less trash to take out. Your trash will smell less. Um, so, um, I highly suggest that you, uh, compost and ask the city for second, third, fourth bins. I'm sure that they would be happy to provide them if you call the Department of Sanitation. Um, it's really, really worthwhile. If you don't have enough room and you think that you can do like a small home composter between the four of you, just for like um, vegetable peels and that kind of thing, um, maybe a fruit that went rotten, um, then you can um, just do that in your backyard. Maybe the four of you could share that in the backyard for like $150. You can buy a big turning composter and just turn it in your backyard and it will 
actually it takes a really long time to fill that up if you're turning it regularly um, the thing about compost in a home compost is that even though you have vegetable scraps in it you still need um, a good blend of green so that would be your vegetable scraps and you need brown so you need like twigs and leaves and paper and that kind of stuff to balance it so that it can cover it also in your home composting you need to keep it wet um, so I um, I collect actually because if I don't, it'll flood my, my front walkway. I collect actually the water from the condensation in my air conditioner, and at the end of the day, I just pour it into my composter. It's actually a full bucket. It's perfect to pour in the compost, um, or I water my plants with it. Um, or sometimes I collect the water from while I'm showering and pour that in my garden. Um, that really helps. I mean, why not use the water twice that you've paid for? Um, and it's clean, you know, maybe it has a little soap in it, but it's okay. Um, so yeah, so, so that's, that's composting again. I hope that that, you know, has cleared up whatever issues any ladies are having. Um, I'm happy to talk more about it if anybody wants to talk more about it. Um, and ladies, that's, that's what I got for you today. So, um, I hope that that was like a little more insightful about kitchens gave you an extra boost on um, on composting. What I will say is there's actually I, something that I wanted to say about composting for a while that I keep forgetting. There's this really cool thing called um, home biogas where you can compost all of your um, kitchens, ki excuse me, kitchen scraps and it actually turns your um, kitchen scraps into cooking gas. Um, for most of uh, America, this is not a worthwhile um, investment because your cooking gas comes from the gas line that's regulated and you don't need to get gas balloons. But in Israel, if you have the space for this, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a little bit expensive in the, start, in, the, in the start, but if you own your house, it could really, really save you money after four years. Um, it will save you money after four years. It will also reduce your trash. Um, it's really, really worth it because in Israel we have gas balloons and the gas line is not hooked up directly to the stove. We need to order new balloons. So the advantage to this is you could still get, keep a gas balloon on hand if you wanted to, but um, a week's worth of kitchen scraps will actually give you like five hours worth of like cooking. You won't run out of gas before Yom Tov. So um, it was actually something that was developed in Israel and I think it's a really great invention. Um, if you, I don't have it. If I own my house, I would totally buy it. Um, I'm actually thinking about buying it anyways, even though I don't own my house, cause I think it will really be awesome and amazing. Um, and I could share it with my neighbors. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's, that's something that I really wanted to share with you. Again, it's called home biogas. So I hope that today you got your answers about the kitchen, like items with like items separating the, the the meat from the dairy. I like to color coordinate my my kitchen items. So all of my dairy is blue, all of my red is meat, all of my yellow and green are, are parva. And um, that's something that really helps me not only with organization, but with kashrut in general. Um, again, I love the cabinets. 
uh, the drawers on the bottom. I think that storing things in jars is really worthwhile, especially if it comes in plastic instead of putting it in Ziploc bags or other plastic containers because plastic is definitely bad for you. So ladies, I hope that answers all of your kitchen questions. If you have more kitchen questions, please do not hesitate to let me know. Um, I'll be happy to do a second episode about kitchens. Um, I have a few other voicemails that I have to um, get to, uh, and I will get to them, Bezrat Hashem. So I just want you guys to keep the calls coming, and um, I will do my best to keep the episodes coming while I'm traveling. Um, I am traveling till the end of August, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm doing my best, ladies. Okay, I wish you all a great organized week. I want you to remember that Hashem keeps you organized. Please do not hesitate to leave me a voicemail. You can also reach me at Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H, at B-A-L-A-G-A-N-B-E-G-O-N-E. Um, dot com. So you can also reach me there. Uh, if you want me to call you back, please leave your phone number. Tell me what city you're in so that I can find you and, and uh, not call you in the middle of the night. Um, I'm happy to talk to you. You can also send me pictures to my email if you have a specific space that you want to talk to, uh, want me to talk about. So remember, Hashem keeps you organized. Um, and... Good luck with your organization, ladies. I hope that your journeys to organization and making your balagam be gone are exceptional this week. Keep me posted on your progress.